day before yesterday's show that was critical of lefty pundits got some pushback in the comments section. I'm going to go through those comments and I'm going to show you how little clout leftists have now that we've given Biden and Kamala Harris a mandate. I hate to tell us all this, but we're not going to be part of the mainstream going forward. There are no quick fixes. We're not going to jump onto the bandwagon of the squad or of other progressives. It's not going to happen because they're in the Democratic Party. If we don't build something outside of the party, we're never going to get anywhere. And we just have to face it. There are no shortcuts. Here's the show in question. It's episode 504 from a couple of days ago. Lefty pundits who advocate strategic voting need to be exposed as the right-wing elitists they are. Now, the first comment is from Lou Guallario, who says I'm incorrect in calling Jimmy Dore a lefty pundit who was worthy of criticism. And I admit I didn't explain it very well. I didn't say why I had included Jimmy Dore. Lou points out that he is one of the few that advocates for not voting for the lesser evil. He also says that I should give credit to Tim Black and also Hardlands Media because they have not sheepdogged their members. Before I read my reply, I'll say straight out that not sheepdogging is better than sheepdogging, but being an advocate for Bernie or Bust from the beginning would have gone a long way towards me not feeling critical right now. This is how I responded to Lou. I said, Jimmy Dore was openly burning or bust in the last election cycle, but was not willing to cross-jank and advocate for this extreme tactic this time around. Both Victor and I, Victor Tiffany, OG of the burning or bust movement, we requested time on his show during this election cycle to make our case, but he wouldn't have us. He also refuses to talk about how Jenk received $20 million from Jeffrey Katzenberg in seed money for TYT. Personally, that's why I think he wouldn't have us on, because he knew I would bring up Jeffrey Katzenberg. So, Lou, unless you can find a post that talks about Jeffrey Katzenberg, I'm going to assume that he's never called Jenk out for that. Victor and I also requested time with Tim Black. Tim had Victor on his show during the previous election cycle, but would have nothing to do with either of us this time around. Victor also was featured last time around by some national media. Tim was openly burning or bust in 2015-2016, but then stopped uttering those words sometime after the Philadelphia DNC. Why? I'm not asking these commentators to refrain from sheepdogging. I'm asking them to be openly hostile to corporatists and anyone who endorses them, either the way Bernie has done or by voting for them and then telling us that they voted for them. I'm looking for them to vote shame people like Cornell West and his sheepdogged dupes crickets. So yes, I hold Jimmy and Tim to higher standards. I'm a financial supporter of Tim Black. I thought about being a financial supporter of Hardlands Media, but I only have so many dollars. Tim Black is the only show I support, by the way. So I'm not an enemy of either Jimmy or Tim, but I wish they would have told the truth from the beginning about Bernie or Bust. I wish they would have advocated for it. I wish they would have had the balls to advocate for it from the beginning of this election cycle. I have a theory about why they didn't do it, and it comes from listening to Glenn Greenwald, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll come to that later in the show. Another comment from Lou was that I lopped him together with Jink, who is vote blue no matter who, and others. Jimmy has openly attacked Bernie Sanders and AOC, as well as the squad, for being Democratic sheepdogs. So Lou's statement is a fair statement to make, but he doesn't understand why I'm pissed. 
So I said, I'm particularly pissed at those who openly advocated burning or bust last time, but backed down this time. Biden's ineptitude made it a close contest. If Jimmy had been willing to have us on his show and then had openly endorsed Bernie or bust, we might have been able to declare that leftists won't be pushed around any longer. Instead, we have to admit that we will eat any kind of shit they are willing to serve up. If Jimmy had been willing to buck his friend Jink, he would have had us on his show. If you don't believe we've lost all of our clout, all of our Bernie or bust train clout, then look at this article. It was a failure. Furious House Democrats unload as leadership promises answers after election losses. This is from USA Today by Crystal Hayes. Turns out a lot of Democrats got their asses handed to them, and so now they're thinking it's socialism's fault. House Democratic leadership tried to tamp down fuming lawmakers on a private call Thursday that included finger-pointing, befuddlement, and a few tears as Democrats acknowledged being blindsided after losing a number of key races in an election some were projecting as another blue wave. Democrats went into Election Day boasting they would not only protect freshman Democrats in battleground districts that helped them take the House majority, but also see wins in Republican strongholds to expand their majority. Neither happened. Instead, at least seven incumbent House Democrats lost races with other contests still too close to call. Democrats, though, are still expected to keep the majority. Senate Democrats similarly had a poor election night, being bested by Republican incumbents again and again in races they were forecasted to win. So, dear viewers and listeners, do you think they blamed this on their inability to court the left flank? No! Just like last time, they blamed it on the left flank. House Democrats talked through the aftermath on a private caucus call Thursday afternoon where lawmakers blamed the media, polling, and one another for the losses, according to a source on the at times heated call. Leadership attempted to paint a rosy picture with former Vice President Joe Biden on track to win the White House, though no winner had been declared as votes in several states are still being counted. We lost members who shouldn't have lost, Representative Abigail Spanberger, a moderate who narrowly won her race in Virginia, said in a heated speech, confirmed a source on the call. We need to not ever use the word socialist or socialism ever again, because while people think it doesn't matter, it does matter, and we lost good members because of that. She specifically pointed to the defund the police movement and said it hurt her and other moderates who were in tight races. Well, former CIA officer and Democratic candidate for the 7th District Congressional seat, you can fuck all the way off. Socialism is going to kick your ass eventually. And if I could ever take credit for kicking your ass, I would dance naked in the streets like King David. You can hold me to it. This is the kind of attitude among politicians, pundits, and comfy Democrats that made me want to start this channel in the first place. They absolutely take the left flank for granted, and it's time for that to stop. Here's a comment by one of those comfy Democrats, Susanna Yoon. Look, voting for Joe Biden was hard for me, but having President Trump for another four years was not an option for me either. The reason why I voted for him wasn't even for me or America. I did it because my conscience couldn't vote against the interest of ICE inhabitants. Bullshit. I need that institution gone. Well, you should have talked to Barack Obama and Joe Biden about that. The GOP would not have even considered getting rid of it. 
The DNC, on the other hand, could have been influenced due to the significant Hispanic bloc within the party. Oh yeah, we're going to move the DNC left. That's going to happen. I have no trouble seeing Bernie and the Progressive Coalition bringing this issue back up again to get it rectified. Bernie and the squad are going to get squat from Mama Bear Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. That's never going to happen. You comfy Dems gave Biden and Harris a mandate, and now they're not going to appoint anybody on their cabinet who's anywhere like Bernie or AOC. They're not going to do anything for ICE. They're not going to do anything for us. Why? Because we fucking voted for them. You can't vote for corporatists and then expect them to do anything for your cause later. You're not going to push them to do anything. Unlike Hillary, they didn't even try to reach out to us. They shut the door in our faces. She goes on to say, I don't give a damn about people who don't give a damn about each other. Since March, I have been actively fighting disinformation created by the conservative party regarding COVID-19. And after seeing people arguing against me daily, whether it was encouraging people to wear masks, practice social distancing, encouraging people to go to a protest and learn about BLM, witnessing leftist infighting was not a bit encouraging and motivating for me to fight for us. My faith in people who call themselves so-called leftists shattered when they kept on fucking accusing me of being a corporate shill for supporting Biden. You're a poser. Go take your pussy hat somewhere else. Go join the resistance. You're not a leftist if you're not an economic leftist. Later on in this show, Matt Taibbi and Glenn Greenwald are going to make the case that the media greatly exaggerated Trump's atrocities. And they said nothing about Biden and Obama's atrocities. Katie Halper pushed back a little bit on that, which bothered me. This whole media angle that Trump is uniquely horrific is just bullshit. And they're going to find out when the next Trump comes along. So yes, Susanna, I'm going to keep on accusing you of being a corporate shill for supporting Biden. But you got something else coming if you all thought I was going to turn a blind eye on this opportunity to end that atrocity sooner. You didn't end any atrocities. The atrocities will just be quieted because the media won't report on them now. She also said, People have a harder time following complicated messages. Is there any way to package leftist ideas neatly like an advertisement that is easier to disseminate? I just want to make left dialogue more accessible to everyone. We need a longer reach to gather more people. Are there no ideas we can compromise on so we can be appealing to a larger group of people? And that's the problem with MPP. We're not just compromising by making it simpler, and it isn't simple. Economic issues are not simple. We're also compromising our morals, like you did when you voted for a racist rapist. Me too? Fuck me too, right? Back to Susanna. Because democracy is a group activity, and I am so sick of leftists acting like their own group is the only thing that matters. Your group means jack shit. Your influence and reach is the only thing that fucking matters. And I, for one, just want to win competitively. I want my team to win. I want us leftists. No, you are not any kind of a leftist. I want us leftists to be known as friendly, inviting people who don't just try to critique everything for the sake of it in the public sphere. Pure intellectualism is too cold for some people to be persuaded by it. Yeah, brain-dead neolibs. 
She says, we need to create images of what a socialistic society might look like that isn't painted by our opponents. What you don't realize is that you are our opponent. The end of this paragraph is priceless. People have trouble having faith in socialistic ideas because our government lost credibility with its people. That makes no sense. You think that people think of our government as socialistic and that's why it lost credibility? I don't think anyone thinks of our capitalistic government as socialistic. And if anyone thinks the Democratic Party is socialistic, they have their heads way, way, way up their asses. And then she says, is there any way to improve our government's image, like Elizabeth Warren would say, so it can earn enough goodwill to be considered trustworthy to run these social programs? Except they would never run these social programs. Joe Biden would veto Medicare for all if it ever came across his desk. He said so. And then she says, our attitude towards our government needs to be less hostile if we are to convince anyone else to trust our government to run these social programs. So I came back with, if you think you can achieve your laudable goals within the Democratic Party, you are dreaming. We all were gullible at first, but as time goes on, you have to question what else might be going on. Bernie is owned, lock, stock, and barrel by Chuck and Nancy. After the mandate that voters such as yourself have given Joe Biden, there is no chance in hell that he will give Bernie even a sniff at any type of real institutional power. That goes for the squad and other so-called progressives. When they leave the party for good is when I'll trust them again. Speaking only for myself, if you are not actually a leftist and you want to simplify and thus compromise to make the message more palatable to comfy suburbanites, I don't want to unify with you. I don't consider you part of my team. You have no real principles, therefore you can stay with the Dems who also have no real principles. The Dems made it abundantly clear under Obama, with a clear mandate from voters and control of both the Senate and the House, that they have no intention of, nor will they ever, as long as big donors are around, doing anything real for the people. I don't trust you as far as I can throw you. After what I've read here, you have zero credibility. I don't believe you would actually ever do anything real for the people, even if you had the power to do so. The moderate politicians are in no way inept. They, and probably you too, are doing everything in their power to function well as controlled opposition. If you want to improve the credibility of our government, you are barking up the wrong tree. The only thing left to do with our government is to overthrow it. Your own credibility is zero, so I doubt you are up to the task. You and Elizabeth Warren should go talk to the hedge fund managers and monopolists and talk some sense into them. I'm sure that will do some good. Later in the conversation, she snaps back with, You don't own socialism. It's an ideology that you are trying to gatekeep. And it looks fucking stupid from outside looking in. And do-nothing leftists who mistake their own importance should try actually phone banking and try talking to people while registering them to vote. Vote for who, Susanna? Vote for Democrats? Most of America isn't socialist. Leftists do not need to trust me. Leftists need to make other people trust them. Get it right. I don't know if this will be the end of the conversation, but this is the last thing I said so far. Leftists aren't going to get anyone to trust them if they dupe unwitting newbies into the corrupt democratic sheep pen. Phone banking for whom? Corporatists? You can take that shit somewhere else. Socialists don't need the Democratic Party. All socialist dreams die there. 
Apparently, you didn't hear about the conference call where all the mainline Dems who lost were blaming socialism. Leftists don't let other leftists vote for corporatists, period. You will need to come to grips with your own moral failure and stop trying to blame those who have been right all along. Chuck Simon said, Shama Sawant and Chris Smalls are representatives of electoral and direct action that come to mind when listening to this post. I have to push back some when Jimmy Dore is called out as a sheepdog. Is that because he is encouraging us to join MPP? I didn't hear Nick Brana's name mentioned in your list. MPP has in its platform no corporate dollars. How does MPP get people like Howell Underground, Convo Couch, and Slow Newsday on board? If MPP can't convince these skeptics, how can they reach out to the Greens or PSL or even people on the right, or even build a solidarity movement? Those are all good questions, and I didn't adequately answer them yet. I just talked about Jimmy Dore not wanting to have me or Victor come on his show and advocate for Bernie or Bust. But the questions about MPP are also good. MPP wouldn't tell us not to vote for Biden. So if MPP can't tell us not to vote for Biden, then I don't see how they're going to unify the left. I don't see how they're going to build a solidarity movement if they can't tell us to not vote for fucking corporatists. How are you going to say with a straight face that they aren't going to take corporate dollars, they aren't going to take dark money, that they aren't going to be influenced by big money, and that they aren't going to have to suck up to power the same way Bernie and AOC do? What good is a huge coalition of spineless people with no morals? What good is a huge coalition of people who don't actually give a shit about the working poor? All of these comfy people who think resisting Trump is more important than forming an economic coalition to achieve economic justice. The main problem with MPP is that it's going to be on the wrong side of the class war. You're not really a leftist unless you're doing your part to achieve economic justice. Dr. Martin Luther King and Malcolm X had this absolutely right which is why they're dead now. Yes, black lives matter, and yes, poor lives matter, and they had that right. And MPP can't claim to truly understand the economic justice part if they say it's okay to vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. I'm not gonna join any kind of coalition that tells me that it's okay to vote for Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or Hillary Clinton or any other corporatist. Now, at the end of this next clip, they were making fun about huge cleavage, so I wanna make sure you hear that part. And then I want you to hear what else Glenn has to say about the reasons for people not being willing to advocate for Bernie or Bust. Even though he doesn't talk about Bernie or Bust directly, he does say why pundits may be reluctant to offend their viewers and their colleagues. Caitlin Johnstone also talks about how pundits are unwilling to offend their colleagues and sometimes censor each other even more than the people they need to be protected from. That was in yesterday's show elite national press was having about the country was so wildly disparate from the perceptions that people have. There's this huge cleavage. And then the other problem that starts happening, you know, because like this idea, for example, that Trump is this fascist, he's a, you know, Hitler figure. One of the things that's so offensive about it is that the people who were saying it at the beginning clearly didn't believe it, right? Like every year, Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff, while they were saying it, were voting with the Republicans, Trump's party, to increase the military budget that Trump would control, to increase the amount of domestic spying powers Trump had, to block reforms that were being proposed. And obviously, if, if, if Hitler were in power, you wouldn't be voting to give him more money for his military or more, more spying 
powers to exercise domestically, you would be hitting the panic button if not fleeing the country. And the fact that nobody was doing that made it so clear that they didn't really mean what they're saying. And when you keep making it clear that you don't really mean what you're saying, or that what you're saying is so wildly removed from the reality as people experience it, of course they're going to stop listening to you. They're going to tune you out. And so when the question becomes, well, what is needed as Matt asked to like reform the media and to restore trust, I think it's so simple. You know, I've had this experience so many times in the last two years where something happens, like Trump gets COVID and, or, you know, allegations now that like there are irregularities in the vote counting on both sides. I don't have very many news sources that I feel like I can go read or listen to or watch and trust that what I'm hearing is their best attempt to figure out the world as best as they can. I feel like what I'll be hearing is what they know their audience of hyper-partisan readers or listeners want to hear or what you have to say in order to avoid making them angry and keep them subscribing and, and not turning the channel. And that's what Susanna needs to hear. That's what the pundits need to hear. They don't want to make their readers angry. They don't want to make their listeners angry. They don't want to make their viewers angry. So they say what the hyper-partisan people want to hear. And when Susanna says we need to simplify things, that's what she really means. We need to avoid pissing people off so we can form a coalition. But again, a coalition of spineless, hyper-partisan people is not what we need. And that is so dangerous. So... I think anybody who figures out, you know, like we talked before on this show, on your show, why I go on Tucker Carlson, um, you know, I think that anybody who figures out how to communicate with different ideological factions without pretending that you agree with them, still being very clear that you have strong convictions that are different than theirs, not pretending that you're like, you know, kind of like David Broder or that like above it all voice from nowhere because no one trusts that either. That's just as much bullshit. But, you know, you say, look, I have very strong views, political agenda items, things I believe in that are different than yours. But at the same time, I'm not going to sacrifice that my, my ability to describe the world as best I can factually at the altar of my ideology. If you can convince people not in one camp or the other, but across those camps, that you're somebody they can trust. And if you can create a new outlet, which is what kind of the, you know, objective was that that I was pursuing and still am, that can command that kind of confidence in people that look, you're not gonna get everything right. And I know you're still subjective. We're all subjective. We're still gonna see things in a distorted way, but I know that you're gonna be trying your best at least, and you're not gonna care about angering this camp or that. Um, I think that's what's gonna be that's really going to resonate, resonate, and re, and and restore trust and faith that, for good good reason, um, the media has lost. So, Susanna, telling the truth is more important than pleasing the coalition. If we don't tell the truth, we don't have anything. Well, actually, we would have something. We'd have what imperialists want to achieve in Bolivia. This is from Caitlin Johnstone. Bolivia shows why imperialists work to keep populations propagandized. Bolivia has reversed the U.S.-backed coup which saw its leftist president Evo Morales ousted from the lithium-rich nation after a landslide victory last year. Another landslide victory for a previous member of Morales' cabinet named Luis Arce has restored power to the movement towards socialism, MAS party, after a year of rule by the coup regime. 
Contrary to what a recent Guardian headline asserts, this was not a stunning comeback for MAS, but a widely anticipated repudiation of the false claims that were spun by Western narrative managers that Morales had rigged the election last year in a dictatorial assault upon democracy. Two landslide victories in as many years is neither stunning nor a comeback. It's just the people decisively making their will known two times. Bolivia is still not in the clear. The U.S. centralized empire still has plenty of other avenues of attack through which to sabotage the will of the Bolivian people, and we may be certain that we will see them rolled out in the coming years if that empire still stands. But people are right to celebrate the fact that its preferred and primary avenue of attack has been thwarted. Don't forget that the election in Bolivia was a concession by the fascist coupists after the socialist movement, backed by the mass of the population, threatened a civil war. It was a victory won from below, which many sacrificed their lives for. They will forever be remembered. That was a tweet by at Squirrel. So this is me talking. Glenn Greenwald said that there aren't any journalists anymore that you can trust to do your best to tell the truth without worrying about offending your readership. That's why people like Caitlin Johnstone are a treasure, and that's why we have to share them as broadly as we can. And she doesn't try to simplify things so that it'll be more palatable. She tells the story in as complicated a way as is necessary to adequately tell the story. Back to Caitlin. Which is a good illustration of why imperialists pour so much energy into using propaganda to manipulate what people think and do. If you can't manipulate people into supporting your actions, they'll just wind up undoing all your handiwork. A coup was undone yesterday in Bolivia. A coup was undone in Venezuela in 2002. And coups will continue to be undone every time the people have the power to enact their will and can't be propagandized or brutalized away from using it. Or in Susana's case, from talking us out of using it. She's trying to talk us out of using it. And that's what controlled opposition always does. The great elephant in the room around which so much of the behavior of establishment power revolves is that there are many more ordinary human beings than there are sociopathic dominators trying to exploit them. This fact rarely enters the minds of the rank-and-file citizenry, but for the manipulators responsible for engineering the continuation and expansion of the imperialist oligarchic status quo, it is always at the center of their attention. The powerful fear the people. Always have, always will. They are at all times acutely aware that there's not actually anything stopping the public from using the power of their numbers to take back everything their rulers stole from them and doing whatever they like to their former oppressors. We're like a giant the size of a mountain who is in an abusive relationship with a tiny little man. We might not think too much about how we could squash him like an insect whenever we like, but he most certainly does. Congrats to Bolivia in returning to a government for the people. Condolences to all the journalists working for billionaires in the USA who have to try to spin democracy as authoritarianism in the next few years. That was a tweet by Existential Comics. And that's why the manipulators responsible for keeping the empire running work all day, every day, ensuring the people never awaken to their true power that they never realize they're being worked like slaves to support the obscene planet-destroying excesses of plutocrats while struggling just to survive. 
that they never realize their value and resources are being funneled into a war machine which murders people just like themselves on the other side of the world to ensure geostrategic domination which benefits nobody but the most powerful. So we don't realize what they are doing and realize that we have every ability to stop them. They do not pour vast fortunes into manufacturing the consent of the governed because it's fun for them. They don't buy up narrative control in the form of media outlets, think tanks, NGOs, political influence, and advertising in collaboration with opaque government agencies because they've got nothing better to do. They work so hard to manufacture consent because they need it. So don't give them your consent. Refuse to be propagandized. Refuse to let your countrymen be propagandized. Work to awaken people to their lies. Work to awaken people to their own true power. And that, my friends, is why we don't vote for corporatists. We don't give our consent to corporatists, no matter who.